Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and I'd like to welcome you to our latest uh, podcast. And this is Tumor Volumetrics and Oncology. And as we all know, volumetrics is very important. One of the most common reasons for doing CT is to look at change over time, whether it's in response to surgery, whether it's in response to chemotherapy, whether it's in response to radiation therapy. And a lot's been written and a lot is changing, so I thought I would go through some of that with you and look at some of the new uh, things that are happening. And this is in part based on an exhibit. Uh, you can see Horton McKenna Fishman from RSNA 2007. So let's look at some things. First of all, objective tumor response is an accepted endpoint in clinical practice and in clinical trials where we look to determine how good therapy is. And again, if you want to compare agent A to agent B or you want to see if a new agent is better, you can't make that decision based on how patients feel or clinicians experience or what clinicians think. You need hard data. And the FDA is not going to improve or approve any drug unless there is solid data in that regard. So the question is, how good are we? What do we do? And can we do things better? So a question might be, can tumor volumetrics be used as a more accurate way of looking at tumor response to therapy? So let's look at what we're doing now and what maybe we can do. So the WHO criteria is the classic. In this system, each lesion is measured in two dimensions. You mentioned the maximum diameter in the transverse plane, and then the longest diameter perpendicular to the other measurement. You multiply these two measurements to get a cross product, and here's just a nice simple example of such a thing. Again, from a radiologist's perspective, it's not all that difficult, you know, three by two or two by one. You get a cross product, and that's what you measure, and that's what you compare over time. And then you look at the criteria for response or progression. So there are four things, complete response, disappearance of all target lesions, partial response, which is greater than a 50% reduction in the cross product of the lesion, progressive disease, greater than a 25% increase in the cross product or development of any new lesions, and stable disease, where there's less than a 50% reduction in cross product or less than a 25% increase. So again, we use these measurements to put patients into categories. And the WHO criteria was used and still used in many situations. The rest of the criteria came along in about 2000, and this was an attempt to see if you could do things easier and still get good results. It uses a one-dimensional measurement, largest diameter in the axial plane, with this technique, you measure up to five target lesions in a single organ and up to 10 lesions maximum per patient with a minimum lesion size of 10 millimeters. And you can see it's pretty easy. It's really one straight measurement. can be done pretty easy. And just like the WHO criteria, we have the same thing about complete partial responses and progressive disease and stable disease. With complete response, obviously disappearance of all target lesions, Partial response, greater than a 30% decrease in the sum of the longest diameter of all target lesions. Progressive disease, greater than a 20% increase in the sum. And stable disease, uh, again, something uh, neither fitting in partial nor progressive disease. Now, with the rest of the criteria, non-target lesions are also recorded. All other measurable lesions not included as target lesions and non-measurable lesions are recorded. There's no fixed maximum number, and the presence or absence of each selected lesion should be indicated at every scheduled assessment. So you can see 10 lesions uh, it can be somewhat complicated. There's a lot to measure. And so it's easy on a single measurement, but then there's a lot of work to do. Now, if we look at most studies, 
WHO versus RESIT, and the RESIT is now the standard. It's easier to calculate, a bit more straightforward, and it seems to be more reproducible and probably easier to incorporate in clinical practice. Well, what if you compare those two studies? Well, in 03, Park studied data from 79 patients enrolled in eight prospective phase two studies. The data was reviewed retrospectively. The WHO and RESIT criteria were applied separately and results compared. In that study, the overall response rate for the WHO criteria was 31, RESIC criteria uh, 30.4. But in that series, although the overall response rate and the agreement between the two studies was excellent, there were still patients who had to be reclassified. So of course, one question always is, is will both give us the same answer? And depending which study you use or which technique you use, which will be more correct? So in a Wanatabi study, 120 patients with non-small cell lung cancer, response rate using RESIT was 19.3%, WHO was 20%. So again, in this study, very similar results. Mazumer performed a statistical simulation to generate tumor measurements and patient response, and in this simulated study, found suboptimal agreement. Concordance between WHO and RESIT criteria were compared, the overall percentage of disagreement between the two methods was found in the 14 to 20 percent range, and the authors noted their response assessment based on the RESIC criteria often resulted in a different response characterization when compared to WHO. Again, this was simulated data, but it does make the point that there are potential issues. Given the limitations of both WHO and RESIC guidelines, and given the recent significant advancements in CT, one would wonder if there's something better to do. Perhaps we can do the true tumor volume, and that surely is going to be more accurate than one-dimensional or two-dimensional measurements, assuming you can do very nice three-dimensional volumes. Volume measurements would also allow more accurate assessment of irregularly shaped masses. Again, a funny-shaped mass doing a single or even two measurements is not all that good. Now, Hopper, uh, in 96, reviewed 433 scans in 139 patients. Bidimensional measurements were made for each lesion and compared with 3D tumor volumes obtained from doing things in a very slow, hand-driven method. And the investigators concluded that 3D volumes versus 2D area measurement would have changed response in 52 of 294 cases 35 patients were recategorized from no response to failure, and 14 were recategorized from no response to response. So you could see this becomes very critical because if we're going to make decisions on drugs based on trials, we want to make sure it's based on the actual response of that tumor, not based on how we do measurements. Prasad studied 38 breast cancer patients in a phase three trial. Two radiologists measured all lesions with electronic calibers, with WHO and RESIC criteria. Volumetric measurements were also made by tracing lesions on each slice. Uh, the sum of the areas from each section were multiplied by the reconstruction interval to calculate the lesion's volume. The author's criteria for response using tumor volumes was extrapolated from the one-dimensional criteria, and they found the 97% concordance between the WHO and RESIC criteria, but the volumetric assessment produced a discordant result compared to RESIT in 12 of the 38 patients, and from WHO in 12, 13 of 38. So we're talking almost one out of three patients. The volumetric results were different. And the authors believe that the volumetric measurements were a more accurate representation, 
But again, no one's compared this with clinical outcome. But the first step, of course, is looking and seeing what is more accurate. Well, of course, issues with doing 3D tumor volumetrics, the time to perform the studies is longer. Again, depending how you do it, inter-observer variability. And again, will it have any impact on the clinical results or is it simply just some statistical variation? So if you look at this case, single measurement, RESIT, and you look at the same case, two-dimensional measurements, you know, the cross-section, well, think about that one, but then think about doing the volume of the lesion. What if I did the actual volume? And now there is a program called Oncology, which is designed to help you do the volumetrics without spending a lot of time. So you can see the lesion, you can see the display, lesion axial, coronal, sagittal, and then you pick a tool. You could do this for nodes or nodules or liver masses, and then the tool automatically determines you draw a line across the lesion and then does the volume and you can see when it works well it's beautiful now we have the volume of the lesion and then it gives us a report which gives us the volume and what's nice is this will be great from a research perspective you have the volume you have the reset you have the who uh, criteria so you have all of the results so it's going to be possible without doing a lot of extra work to really come up and look and compare the three sets of data uh, so that becomes very, very important. And again, the program is optimized to try to minimize user's work. And so, for example, you can come back at time two, it will remember the target lesions, and will try to recognize those target lesions. So really to minimize the work you have to do. And you can see here two studies tied side by side. You can do actually four time points. Uh, so again, potentially this type of technology will make our life easier. Uh, again, uh, user interaction will be critical. The radiologist will surely need to make certain things right. But you can see with the results comparing things over time. You can look for change over time. It measures tumor burden. It measures change. And you can see in this case, the rest of change was about 5%. Who change was about minus, was 7%. Volume change was under 1%. So you can see here's just one more display. So again, a lot of statistics, this can indeed be very important. So the question is, if you have all the information, can you determine which program provides the most accurate results for patient management? Is more than RESID needed or is that enough? I mean, the less is more. Radiologists hate doing measurements. You want to do as little as possible. Here was an article by Zakari which made the point that in looking at colorectal cancer, measuring the maximum diameter of the single largest lesion yielded the same treatment response as measuring five target lesions. If less is more, we all want less, but the question is, what really works? What do we need to do? So if we can do volumes, will it be used in a clinical environment? Can we do it fast enough? Can we have assistance, maybe a super tech that helps us when we oversee and they put all the data together. Can it be reimbursable? Again, radiologists tend to do little unless it's reimbursable. And if it takes time, reimbursement will be necessary. So I think let's conclude that computer-assisted tumor volumetrics is now possible. Its role and potential impact will need to be addressed by looking at real clinical trials. But I think it's something as radiologists we need to be paying attention to. Oncology is still 60% of our practice. Uh, looking at interval change is what our oncologists demand, and we need to make certain that we're doing it the best we can. So hopefully that'll give you something to think about, something to chew on, and with that, let me wish you a great day.